0: That's awesome. We've been enjoying watching your posts, doing the Post My Story. If you haven't done it yet, you gotta got to get on something and post your story. We've had so much creativity, little animations, pictures with the stories, all kinds of creative ways where people were sharing their testimony. And I've actually been hearing from people in other states saying, okay, what are you guys doing? This is really cool. So who knows... Who could be out there that that your story is the key to unlocking their heart? Weren't those awesome? I just I loved it. So I love Jeanette's little uh, rhyme there. So, a to Z, Jesus Saved Me. It's good. Uh, okay, speaking of stories, I'm proud of this right here. This is my my mentor, my pastor, Jimmy Seibert, just released his book, and it's called Passion and Purpose. And if you want to know the story of our extended family of churches. We're, we have churches all over the earth doing extraordinary things as a part of our Antioch movement. And then we're a church and then an aspiring movement within that. It's in this book. And, and I'm super honored uh, that the story of all peoples is in the back of this book. So how the the beginning of how this church launched is in the back of this book. And so I want to encourage you, this book will, will really impact you deeply. And we have it back in the bookstore. And so I'd give this away, but it's Kelly's copy. So I better not do that. Um, so anyway, okay, so we're, we're in a series called My Story. And we're ramping up towards Easter Sunday, which Easter is next weekend. And it's a lot bigger than just a bunny. I've got to tell you. And I, I was so proud of my son. We were in the zoo spending some father-son time, and I'm like, hey, do you want to go sit on the bunny's lap? And he's like, no, dad. Five years old, I'm telling you the maturity, I know it's because he, he's just focused on his building his testimony that he didn't do that. So, <laughs> we're, um, So we've been in this mini-series talking about my story, and last week we talked about Christians becoming the greatest storytellers, that we need to become really good at telling stories, and... I, I want to tell you a story that helped me see something a little more clearly. I, I'm, I'm into sports. You even, you even heard that, that I was kind of this cocky, selfish, jerk athlete, and, and now God's been changing me, and so we're kind of redeeming sports in my family, and so my whole family is into sports. I have four kids, and we spend a lot of time at different sport games, and soccer is probably the most all-consuming one for us in the fall. And this fall, I was so blessed because I wasn't, like, alone on the team. Kelly had his son on our team. And Kelly and I are pretty focused guys. And so the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree with our sons. that They're pretty locked in when it comes to sports. And we weren't having the best season. And, you know... Um, in in childhood soccer, everyone plays, right? You know, kind of everyone puts their kids on the team. So people that would never be in soccer a few years later when things start getting really intense, you know, they put their kids on the team. And, you know, I totally believe in that. I totally think everyone should put their kids on their team, whether they can play or not, as long as they don't put them on our team. And um, <laughs> I'm just totally kidding, kind of. Um, and so... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but, but, but Caden, his son, has like the biggest heart. And so it was really cool because Caden and, and Hudson are on the same side of the field. And Caden's halfback and then Hudson's forward. So it was so fun for Kelly and I to watch them together. And this particular game, we were having a decent season. And it, we were playing this really hard team and it looked like we had a chance to win this game. And this would kind of put us over the top of more of a winning season than a losing season. Well, Caden, who has the biggest heart, was certainly not the biggest kid on the team. And he is going head-to-head with this kid who was the offspring of King Kong. I am I'm not, I am not kidding with you. I think this 8-year-old was already growing a beard. It was crazy. This This kid was... Three, weighed three times what Caden did. So every time Caden would run up to him, you know, we're like, ah, you know, please don't kill Caden. We love Caden. And so he'd run up. And 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 so a couple of times, Caden got the ball past this kid, got it up to Hudson. If you know my son Hudson, he will just work himself to death. So he is just running. And, you know, he'd like... He'll throw himself down on the ground, and he's kind of dramatic. And, but Hudson, you know, comes up, dribbles up, scores, and we're going crazy because we're thinking, this is it. This, we're going to take this game. This is a good team. We're taking them down. I don't care if you have King Kong. We're going to beat you. And, and then all of a sudden it happens. The other team gets the ball, and there's a fast break, and they get past our halfbacks, and then they, you know, they get past our fullbacks. If you don't know what a fullback is, they're the defenders. They're, so they're, they're getting past the defenders. And all that's left is our goalie. And I was talking about kids that, you know, probably will never play in a few years, but they've been put in the game. That's this goalie. Okay. And God bless him. He, um, it, and even in practices, he never really got the whole thing about soccer you know and so he'd run around during practices just kicking his own teammates in the shins like that's what he liked to do. And so I guess that's why they put him in goalie is because it's hard to get to your other teammates when you're back in the goal and so he's back in the in the goal and the 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 offense you know they get past our our halfbacks they get past our our de- our, our fullbacks our defense and now they're just coming at the goal and and, you know, all the parents rise up, the great cloud of witnesses on the side, and, and you're hearing the coach, we had this coach who was huge, he looked like Bruno from Popeye, and he's like, goalie, get ready. It was super scary. And, but it doesn't work. And the goal, you look at the goalie, and he is lost in his shirt. Like, he's picked up his jersey and somehow flipped it over his arms. And he is playing like turtle or something. He's disappeared. And so we're all like, goalie, this is our chance, goalie. And the team's screaming out, goalie. He's not even facing the right direction. He's like in his shirt going like this. And all of a sudden, he's like, I think I hear goalie. And he picks his head up but he's facing the wrong direction. The other team comes up and we're like, no, 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 no. Dribble. The ball rolls like two inches from his feet and we're all, no, screaming. And, and, and he looks up like, how could this have just happened to me? You know, we're like, no, how could this just happen to me? As a parent, I can't. I can't. And, and, and here's what I think. I think that's a great picture of a lot of us as Christians. Okay, so, so just listen to me. Um, there, there's a goal to this life we're living. And, and, and in soccer, it's you go and score a goal and you defend your goal. Right? It's not hard. It's score goals, defend goals. But this goalie, for some reason, thought it would be a lot more funny and fun and exciting to to play, get lost in my shirt. And so he is, he's just you know, he's just playing in his shirt while the game is going, and all of a sudden, we lose. And I think that's what is going on with a lot of Christ followers. Is there's this central story, there's this great Story about Jesus and his love and his redemption of mankind. But a lot of us are just like lost in our shirt. We're just we're just totally utterly distracted with this insignificant subplot. When there's a central story going on, and and here's what I think this has been going on for centuries. In Christendom, it didn't start with us. It didn't start just once the iPhone. I know poor iPhones are getting this horrible rap like they're the demise of mankind. No, people have always been distracted with things. This isn't like an iPhone commercial right now. Um, but, but, it, but people have always been distracted. I want you to look with me at the, in the Bible at, at, at Luke chapter 24. Because even disciples... We're distracted. If you need need a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to put one in your hand and open here because we're going to camp out in this, this really amazing story. And let me just give you some background because it's building up towards the season we're in as we're approaching Easter. And what's happened is this, to just give you a little historical framework before we jump into Luke 24. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. He shared his last supper and we're going to partake of these Elements of communion later, he shared this with his disciples, then he's arrested, then he's tortured, then he dies on the cross. And what happens is that his followers then are like, what the heck? I thought you were like going to do something really powerful and now you're dead, Jesus. And so some of them are leaving the city and they're totally disappointed. And that's where we pick up with these disciples in verse 13. It says, Now, that same day, this is verse 13 of Luke 24, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, this is Jesus asking them, and they're not recognizing him, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Here's what I see in the scripture. What I see Is this, these disciples that are walking along the road, they don't see God right. They don't see Jesus right. They just say, you know, he was this prophet. Well, we know Jesus wasn't a prophet. And then they don't see their lives right. Emotionally, it totally sinks them. It says their faces were downcast. And then it says, we thought he was going to redeem Israel. They don't understand what's going on in the world around them. Why? Because they didn't see the whole story. They didn't understand the whole story. You know, they were guilty of what so many of us do. They just got lost in their own circumstances. They just got lost in the own their own events, just right around their little lives. And so they missed the big picture. So they were missing... What God was doing in the most epic moment of human history. And what does Jesus say to them? How foolish you are. And so what does he do? Jesus goes, walks alongside them, and unpacks the whole story. He says he starts with Moses. He goes through all the prophets and explains all. All the scriptures about him. Do you know that all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation all point towards Jesus? This whole book is a story about him. And so he says, he starts with Moses. So we might think, well, I guess he's starting in Exodus. What the Jews... In that day, they called the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. They called that Moses. Those were all penned by Moses. So I think Jesus went back in Genesis and started unpacking the story of what he had done. He starts telling the story and says, hey, here's the greatest story, and you need to understand how you fit in this whole story because this is the greatest story and is, if you get the greatest story you'll understand the central theme of life now let me just tell you there's this lie in our generation that it doesn't really matter what you believe it's just how much you believe something right you've heard this it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something well you believe in that well that's good for you just make sure you believe in something I want to I say that that is the most ludicrous idea on earth. Let me let me just explain how absurd this is with a story. Another sports story, actually. Eighth grade basketball. We had just made it to the 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 playoffs, and our team wasn't that great, but we were really learning to work together. And so we've we've made it to the playoffs, and all our different players, that day we were playing so great. So our point guard, this this, uh, short guy who is from Vietnam, his name was Eric, he was a great friend of mine, and he was nailing three-pointers, which was a big deal for an eighth grader, by the way. And so he's just nailing them, and then Chris Stuckey was this big, muscled-up, ripped guy with blonde, curly hair, and he'd just get in there, and he was taking down the rebounds. And I was taller than most in eighth grade, and then everyone caught up with me, but I was I was in, inside, and I was making most of my shots, and it was looking like we were doing really good in that game. And so we're coming down to the last few seconds. And our fastest player, his name was David, he flies in there under the basket and pulls down a rebound. So it looks like we have the game. And then all of a sudden, David gets disoriented. And David starts dribbling so fast. And all of a sudden, he's heading the wrong way. He's going The wrong way. And so we start screaming, David, no. And and, and he's going. And all of a sudden, we're like trying to attack him. Like trying to steal the ball. Because if we can steal the ball, we'll win this game. But he's so fast. I've never seen David. He became like the Tasmanian devil. He's like, all over the court. We're, no, David, no. He goes all the way past all of us. The other team's just going, you go, bro. You know, he's he's going to their basket. He goes up. Perfect most beautiful layup. He comes down. He is celebrating. And we all just sink. And we lose the game. You can pray for me after the service. (laughs) Let me just tell you. It didn't matter how hard David was working. It didn't matter that he had a good heart. It didn't matter that he believed with all his might that he was heading in the right direction. At the end of the day, he went to the wrong basket and we lost the game. I'll, I wanna tell you, it's not just about believing something with all your heart. If I go to the airport, San Diego airport, you say, you know what, all roads are leading the same direction. That's kinda like saying all planes that are taking off from the airport are going to the same location. You know, I'm just gonna believe, I'm just gonna go in with a good heart and just walk on any plane, and I'm sure it's just gonna take me, you know, we're all gonna end up in the same place. No! You wanna go to Hawaii, you end up in Alaska. Bummer when all you took was board shorts, right? <laughs> it matters what story you believe. It matters what story you believe. This week, I was watching a video called Etau, and it's about the Mauk tribe in Papua New Guinea. The Ma'uk tribe had some really interesting beliefs. They they served these angry gods, numerous gods, and they believed these angry gods had to be appeased. And so in this this video, they're showing these tribal dances they do, and, and to appease the gods, the men would put on this huge mask and it was supposed to be a spirit mask and they'd dance around and everyone would be scared and in their tribal custom only the men could see where they hide this mask and if a woman ever saw where they hid the mask she had to be killed. didn't matter if it was an accident she had to be killed. So this young man is talking about growing up in the Ma'uk tribe and His father dies at an early age, and so he's heartbroken. And then one day his mother happens to stumble upon where this mask is, and she sees it. So she had to die. So her brothers take her outside of the village, and her brothers are absolutely heartbroken. And they bring this little child with them, the son, and they all walk outside of the the tribe, and they put a rope around her neck. And they strangle her to death in front of this young boy. And now he's an orphan. Not because of some tragedy, but because of what they believed. This woman died. A few months later, a missionary couple comes from America. A Christian missionary couple. And they come in and they befriend the tribe. They come in and live among them. They learn the language. They eat their food. They work alongside of them and they start telling the story of the Bible. And they start sharing about a loving God who wants relationship with the Maok and, and this loving God who actually created the Ma- Mauk. And they are totally confused because they believe they descended from some birds. They believe that two angry birds came. Not like the video game, but <laughs> these two birds came, and they, their tribe is a result of some birds, and, and so they're hearing about this loving Father who created the world and created man and woman and wants relationship, and it's just changing everything. Can you imagine going from thinking that these violent birds were the ones who put you there and you just have to appease them and they're angry and they always want to destroy you to going that there's, believing that there's this loving Father who wants relationship. Now, some of us are going, that's really silly to believe that you came from some angry birds. But I want to tell you that here in our nation, some people believe a different story. Some people believe in this story called this Big Bang. And, and, and here's, here's what happened in this Big Bang approximately 3.798 billion years ago, plus or minus .037 billion years that the universe was extremely hot and in a dense state and became expanding rapidly. And after the initial expansion, the universe cooled sufficiently to allow energy to be converted into various subatomic particles, including protons, neutrons, and electrons. And those simple atomic nuclei formed within the first three minutes after the big bang, thousands of years passed before the first electrically neutral atoms formed. And the majority of the atoms that were produced by the Big Bang are hydrogen along with helium and traces of lithium. Giant clouds of these primordial elements later coalesced through gravity to form stars and galaxies. And here we are. (laughs) And and when I came, when I moved here, and I started working with, with state students from an unbelieving background, I realized that they actually just believed this is how the world started. And then evolution is how we came. And so we came from these apes and 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 when when the missionaries told the mauk they said well you know like you believe that some people came from birds well some people in our nation believe that we came from apes and they were like apes that's so funny they thought it was hilarious so we're over here going oh you think that's so funny you came from birds and we're like oh no no, you know you came from apes you know And, and and what's God thinking? And, <laughs> and, and, and and probably, if you had adopted this this theory that Darwin put out of the theory of evolution, then you probably took hookline and Sinker what his one of his disciples, Herbert Spencer put forth after reaching origin of species, and and he said this, that the, there's this theory called the survival of the fittest, and then that's how species end up living, and basically the strongest are the ones that survive. And then if you adopted that as the story of how we're here because of this just crazy big bang and just happenstance, all of a sudden this earth is in place and then there's this electrical spark in this primordial ooze or soup, as some scientists say, and then out of that came an amoeba and out of that came an ape and then out of that came you. And then if you're stronger than everyone else, you'll make it. Then, Then the way you see life is that, you know, we're just kind of here by happenstance and, You just are kind of the same as the animal. You just happen to be a little smarter than this animal. And really and truly, life is just about being the strongest and fittest because that's who's going to survive. So you better just work as hard as you can to have the most comfortable life, to get the most money you can, to gather all the stuff you can have because that's what makes you happy and then in the end you die. But if you believe this great story, this great story that this missionary started telling the Ma'uk, that life actually began with this uncreated, powerful, majestic, splendid, loving being named God who's actually a father who spoke the world into existence and created this perfect environment to put his sons and daughters in and that they were walking with him in fellowship. But then they were deceived away and they chose their own path and that path was sin and that sin separated them from god and that the first time death came into the world was when god had to kill these innocent animals to take their skin to cover man's nakedness and shame and i bet on the road to emmaus jesus pointed back to that story and said that death of that animal to cover man's sin and shame is symbolic of me And then Jesus kept telling this great story and said, and then there was a man named Abraham. And he's a lot like you. He was just living in his life. And then God spoke to him and said, Abraham, come out and follow me. And Abraham went on this journey of following the living God. And he said to Abraham, God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, a great family. And so Abraham like, that's amazing. And God started doing that by bringing forth this son, Isaac. And then Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, and he's about to drop that knife into his chest. And all of a sudden God says, stop. And he provides a ram. And Abraham takes that ram and in the place of his son kills that ram. And I bet Jesus pointed back to that scripture and said, that was symbolic of me. I was the sacrifice. I died in the place. That ram was the sacrifice. It died in the place. And then Jesus goes on to say, and then Abraham had a family, and that family grew into the children of Israel, this big group of people. But then all of a sudden, a man named Pharaoh, he was the leader of the Egyptians. He got really threatened by them, and he started putting them in captivity because they were growing so numerous. And all of a sudden, God has to start sending these judgments upon Egypt to free the people of Israel. And the last judgment is this death of all the firstborn. And so, all the firstborn in Egypt are about to die, but then God says to his people like he always does, no, I'm going to make the sacrifice. You take a pure and spotless lamb and you kill it and put the blood over your home. And when I see that blood, we're going to pass right over. And so there's this lamb and it shed blood, pays the price. And I think Jesus said, and that was symbolic of me because my shed blood pays the price and you don't have to die so the people go out of israel and they're walking with their loving god and for years and years and centuries and centuries god was loving them and trying to lead them but they kept turning their back just like adam and eve did and kept walking away but god kept trying to draw them near until finally he sends jesus He sends his son, and Jesus walks on the earth and demonstrates the love of God. He draws in the poor. He holds the children. He dwells near to the sinner. He lays his hands on the sick. He even raises the dead. But then he's unjustly accused, and he's tortured, a very painful punishment for a sin that he didn't even commit. And then he dies on the cross, an unjust death of an innocent man. But the Bible says this, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he was doing just what that lamb did. A pure, spotless lamb dying so that others wouldn't have to die. But the amazing thing is that Jesus didn't stay dead on that cross Then he rose from the dead and he defeated the power of sin and death. And then he said, I'm sending my spirit to actually dwell in your hearts. And the people that would receive Jesus into their hearts, they became the children of God. They were adopted and they became known as the church. And that's where we come in. And that's where the Ma'uk were invited in. You don't have to be separated from God anymore. You can be the people of God. And then Jesus said to those people, it's not enough for you to have me and for you to walk in communion with me. I have a lot of other people I want to tell about this good news. So Jesus said, go into all nations and make disciples. And in fact, he said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel, this good news will be preached into all peoples. And then the end will come. And then you fast forward to the book of Revelation and you see people in Revelation 7, 9 gathered from every kindred nation, tribe and tongue gathered around the throne of Jesus. And they're being given in this wedding ceremony and the Bible says that God will actually dwell in their midst. God will live with them forever for eternity. And we understand that God's heart has always been to have a people that He dwells in their midst. And he lives with them. And it's the greatest story ever told. And I remember thinking my whole life as I'd look at this book that this was just a bunch of disjointed stories and I'd just get lost in it. And then I remember the first time someone did what I just did right then and unpacked the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation and it was like scales fell off my eyes and I realized if that is the story then it changes everything about my life. It changes everything. Because that is what matters. That's the central theme. That's why I'm on earth. So it changes how I live my life. It changes how I do my work. It changes how I get married. It changes who I get married to. It changes how I have a family. It changes how I lead my family, it changes how I spend every moment of every single day. This is the greatest story, and if I want my life to count for something, I'm going to tie myself into this story. And the worst thing I could do is to hear this story and the scales to fall off and to finally understand the main point of this whole existence and then go and play with my shirt. To get lost in my soccer jersey while everyone else is heading down the field. I'm just lost going, oh, I think I'm going to be a turtle now. The worst thing I could do is to hear this whole story and understand how I actually tie into it. That I'm actually a part of the church. That the Holy Spirit has come and lived inside of me. And the central point of this whole existence is to love God with all my heart. And to make him known to all the world. So other people can love God with all their heart. So they can make him known. Under all the earth because there's coming a day where he's going to come and live in our midst. And I don't want to be one of those people that all of a sudden grabs the ball and goes the opposite way. I don't want to be those people. The whole church, the whole cloud of witnesses saying, no, you're going the wrong way. But I want to tell you I was. I was that kind of person. I was lost in my own game. I was lost in my own selfishness. I was lost in the things that I thought would bring me happiness. But I want to tell you over and over again, they left me empty. Every time I grabbed that ball and said, no, I'm going my own way. It didn't matter how fast I dribbled. It didn't matter how much I believed it. It didn't matter how much I wanted to win the game. I was heading the wrong way. And I want to ask you today, are you playing with your shirt? Taking notes, you can just write that down. Am I playing with my shirt? Am I heading the wrong way? Or am I like the Ma'uk who have been handed down some tribal customs from my ancestors because maybe your ancestors taught you that having the best education is the end? Of all. You know, that's the end all here on earth. Or maybe your ancestors told you that having a cool car, that's kind of it. Or maybe your ancestors told you that looking pretty, that's kind of the main part of the story. Or maybe your ancestors told you that having a lot of bucks is the main deal. Or I don't know what your ancestors passed down to you. But I want to tell you if it's not in line with this greatest story ever told, it's rubbish. And when you get this story, the greatest thing you can do is say, I'm going to tie into it. I'm going to find my little character and I'm going to place myself right in this story of loving God. Of having a relationship with him and making him known to all the earth. And that's what we want to be all about. Why don't we stand up? We're going to finish this service by celebrating this greatest story ever told. And we do that by taking communion.